the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, enlighten us this evening with whatever word you want to speak to us. Let the works of your spiritual masters, the masters of the church, enliven us this summer, this year, and the rest of our lives. Amen. Can you all hear me back there? Back row? Beautiful. Okay, so spiritual reading. Exciting topic. So before we even get into what spiritual reading is, I'm going to contrast it to what we learned about last week, which was intellectual reading, right? So the purpose of intellectual reading is to gain knowledge of the faith. Apologetics, philosophy, theology, dogma, church history, that's all intellectual because we're both building up our minds about the faith for our own edification so that when you know doubts creep in or just out of injury we have the truths of the faith to rely on but also for the new evangelization we need to be intellectually formed so as to answer the questions of our peers who are exploring not just our faith but just about every other faith or new age philosophy in the world so that's the why intellectual formation is so important. It's for instruction and enlightenment. So that's what we talked about last week. But what we're talking about this evening is spiritual reading, which is reading that's done for our interior to help us grow closer in union with God. So what spiritual reading really is meant to do is help us grow in love. The spiritual love, the spiritual life, in short, is God's action of love towards us and our response to that love. That love plays out different ways for different people at different times of their life, but the spiritual life is that constant union with us and God the Father through the Holy Spirit. So what spiritual reading really is meant to do is help us be open to growth in love, first towards God, and second toward our neighbor. And third, which oftentimes is probably the hardest one, is to grow in love toward ourselves. if you feel mired in sin or in your past, is that spiritual reading is meant to give you methods to break free of those attachments that you might have to your past which are not good. So to God, neighbor, and yourself. Right? And continuing this theme of love, it's no coincidence that one of the great spiritual masterpieces of the Bible is the Song of Solomon, which I'm sure some of you know is actually a love poetry between a, a groom and his bride. So it seems a little strange why in the Old Testament, you can only put so many things in the canon, why this love poetry between a bride, a groom, and his betrothed. It's because when we're reading spiritually, it's that constant movement of love first from God and towards another. So we look at Scripture, and that's what gives us the basis for entering into our spiritual uh, heritage that we've been building for 2,000 years of the church. So spiritual reading even precedes Christ. We can meditate spiritually on Old Testament poetry, which is a beautiful way to do Lexio Divina if you've ever done it. So now, before I get into specific summer spiritual reading, 
I'm going to give you three don'ts and one do of spiritual reading. So I know we all love practical do's and don'ts. So three don'ts and one do. So most important don't is when you're doing spiritual reading, don't read to finish the book. Or don't read just to say, oh, I've read all of Teresa of Avila. Or have you read that? You know, quality over quantity. If if God wants you to meditate on one 90, 100-page spiritual book for an entire year, that's fine. Because maybe that's what you need in your life of faith. So, we're reading intellectually. We want to read deliberately, but you want to, you know, get through some things. But spiritual life, the goal is not to finish the book. The, grow, the goal is to grow in sanctity, not to finish the book. Number two is... I don't know if any of you ever have the experience where someone says, you haven't seen, you know, every Harry Potter movie or you haven't read all the Lord of the Rings. What do you mean you haven't done that? So it's important that in the spiritual life, in spiritual reading, don't feel like you have to read certain authors or certain spiritual traditions to grow in holiness because grace builds on nature. My nature is different than Greg's nature. So books that might be edifying for Greg might not suit me. So it's not fair to say, oh, you must read X, Y, or Z book, right? So stick to, you know, take risks, but you know yourself probably well enough to say what's going to be growth for me and what might be good but not applicable to my life and my circumstances. Except for one book. That's... Number three is don't substitute spiritual reading for reading scripture. Scripture is always number, always number one. Spiritual reading is meant to help us become better readers of scripture, not take the place of scripture. So scripture number one, everything else comes second. And the one do, we've had a lot of don'ts, but the one do is always enter spiritual reading with a sense of detachment. So a sense of detachment from what's going on today, what's going on a week from now, um, what has worked or not worked in my spiritual life in the past. Just enter into it and see what the Holy Spirit has planned, not what we have planned or bring into it. So that's the one to do. So now on to the summer. Is The church is very intentional with the liturgical calendar. And our prayer is liturgical just as the seasons are liturgical. Think of it like this. You would not pray the same way in Holy Week as you would pray in the 17th week of ordinary time when it's 80 degrees in July. Right? There are different modes. There's different readings. There's a different um, disposition that the church is calling on you to have at different times of liturgical year. So the liturgy... And liturgy hours is the primary place where the liturgical year is lived out. But in our own personal prayer lives, we can also make that liturgical. Um, So, in July and August are very interesting. See, the church is Roman. So that naturally has a Roman influence on everything we do. So, Italian culture is known for slowing down in the summer. The Vatican basically is closed all of August. Right? And if you look at the liturgical calendar, 
in the months of July and August, there's only one solemnity. It's in August. Whereas think of June, we had Corpus Christi, Pentecost, uh, Nativity of John the Baptist. But the church has slowed us down. So in our own spiritual lives, in our spiritual reading, we can slow down and sit by the lake and then have a good, enjoyable read. And I think that the best way to chill out with the church, so to speak, is by reading the lives of the saints. Reading the lives of the saints or the works of the saints or just holy people who might even still be living is important not so much as you want to become like, I want to be like Ignatius of Loyola. I want to be Catherine of Siena because you can't because everybody is unique. But what reading the lives of the saints will do is show us how to dispose ourselves to virtue and what that does to our exterior lives. And I think, and probably everybody here would agree, is that sometimes in the spiritual life, it can say, you know, I've been praying this novena for six months, I've been doing this for a year, two years, whatever it may be, and where is the growth coming in? I feel like I'm, I'm just thinking about dinner and prayer or something like that. Um, but reading the lives of the saints shows us the subtlety that God works for his holiest men and women. Except for, you know, your St. Paul's of the world, you're not going to get knocked off the horse. And by reading the different lives of the saints, we can see how they progressed from the same feeling that you're, you're, you might be having of not feeling the presence of God, not seeing how he affects your everyday life. So by seeing how the, you know, the most powerful figures in the church those who can intercede for us in heaven had the same struggles as you can help you kind of chill out a little bit and trust in the Lord and trust in his plans. So this is what spiritual reading the lives of the saints does is that it shows that it's okay to have slow but sure progress. And I think we can all be guilty sometimes of being frustrated with that slow, sure, sometimes even painful process of purgation and renunciation to grow in sanctity. And then my own decision to apply to the seminary for the Archdiocese in 2020, there were three autobiographies I read that year that of three very different figures in the life of the church, but there was a consistent theme of that, of all three. So I read the autobiographies of St. Patrick, Ignatius of Loyola, and servant of God, Dorothy Day. Right? So we have a missionary bishop in Ireland. We have a, a post-Reformation religious order founder. And we have a 20th century Catholic laywoman. And I kind of got the same thing out of each of those books. In that their conversions were the most important thing in their lives. Not their actions. It was their conversions because in all three of them, it was those initial months or even years struggling with the basics of the faith, struggling with the basics of prayer, where they found their center in God. And from that point of conversion is when they went out on mission. It wasn't, they didn't go make, convert all Ireland or start the Jesuits and then grow oh, in conversion or virtue. It started with that initial move into God. 
and then from that initial move into God and moved out to the world. And I think that we often struggle to say, how can I be a beacon of the church, a beacon of Christ to the world today? And the answer is, who knows? We're all called to talk about our faith differently. You know, I might be called to um, share the faith through the sacraments, whereas James might be called to do it through his lay mission work, which he has begun. But we're all called to that conversion first, and then mission second. And I think through spiritual reading is how we find, that's where we find our center. We don't find it in going out, not that that doesn't help our sanctification, but first, we must be moved into God and then out to the world. There's a famous book that called The Soul of the Apostolate. It was written by a 19th century French abbot. There was a lot of 19th century French <laughs> spiritual writers for whatever reason, so I can't remember the name right now. Yes. And he said that there is the... Wow, Sarah with the live prop. That was not planned. Is, is that he calls something a heresy of good works. And that you do good, but you forget the why. So if we continue to go to the lives of the saints and see how they return to their why, their center, I think we can all do the same. Um, so... Some recommendations for saint reading. I'm not going to break rule number... What rule was it? Rule number two. I'm not going to break rule number two, which was don't feel like you have to read a certain author, a certain spiritual tradition. So I'm going to just leave you one tip. Is that find a saint which you have a lot in common with. You, are, you had the same interest in their mission, you maybe are from the maybe they're an American saint. Maybe you have a devotion to Saint Joseph, and you know they have a devotion to Saint Joseph. So something that's very similar to see how that was born out and brought to fruition, and then someone totally different, because like I said, when you become a saint, you become a saint not because of you know great works or this and that. It's because your soul is pure enough to reach heaven. And it doesn't matter if you're like someone who, you know, reached heaven or not, because in the end, they're a saint. And that's the goal. That's our end goal. So I would say find one saint which you can learn about that's saying, you know, that's my guy. I could be like him. Then you could say, huh, how could I be like a sixth century desert father? Because you can't. <laughs> but you could probably learn a thing or two from that. So. Thank you all for listening. And uh, before I let you all go, I just want you to, anybody on Instagram, make sure you go and follow St. Francis Catholic. Next few weeks, we'll be debuting a new two-minute catechesis video series. So please join us in that. Let's pray, close in prayer. Father, thank you for gathering us tonight. Make us sanctified by the intercession of the whole community of saints. And on their feast day, we ask especially for the intercession of the parents of the woman who brought our Lord into the world. St. Joachim and St. Anne, 
pray for us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.